Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Can we turn it up just a little bit? I, <laughs> I like this. One of my friends texted me in between services and she was like, just have fun. And I'm like, yes, we're just going to have fun. We're going to get after it and have fun as family. I'm Natalie. My husband, Keith, and I are the campus pastors here at Renew Life. We, many of you know, but we just moved here a little over a year ago on a word from the Lord. God said, plant a church in Lubbock, Texas. And we said, all right, Lord, we're there. So here we are. Um, We've got three kiddos. Keith left the building. I'm trying to look for him. He's somewhere around here, but we've got three kids, one, five, and ten. They're amazing most of the time. I grew up just right down the road in Turkey, Texas. So if you don't know, it's a huge metropolis of about 400 people. Um, So I'm a city girl at heart. And before joining my husband in ministry, I was a teacher and a coach for a little over six years. Um, I'm excited to be here today. I'm very excited. The Lord was very clear with what he wanted to do here today, and I'm excited to get to bring that word. So let's get after it, all right? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for your faithfulness, your goodness, your perfect timing, your divine opportunity, and your word, God. I thank you so much that you are right here in us, you are with us, and you are stirring up a passion. I feel like David in the Psalms, he said, a passion for God's house will consume him. Talking about Jesus. God, I pray that you would just rain down that same passion on each and every one of us. God, give us the passion to change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got one thing that I need to share with you guys before we go much further, and that is I am extremely susceptible to passion. So if I'm around someone and they're passionate about something, their passion gets all over me. Having coffee the other day, And my friend is telling me about this idea that they have. And I'm like, yes, we should do this. We could totally do da-da-da-da. And the Lord's like, no, no, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. You know, I get around some friends, and they're vegan. And they tell me about what life must have been like in the garden to have everything you could ever have need of, including God himself. So now I'm a part-time vegan. (laughs) I got to get around some people who are very influential with our city government. And I get to hear what they feel the Lord is saying about our city. I get to hear about the people on our city council and what they're doing, what we need to be praying for, how we can bring heaven to earth in our city. And I get super passionate about it. And I'm looking up budgets and I'm going to the Lord and I'm thinking, Lord, do you want me to run for mayor? (laughs) And that's the response that I got. That that was it. Very, very good. Thanks. Um, I get to talking with teachers 
and administrators, and this is my background, and I get to hear their stories about their students and what they're able to do and what they're able to walk their kids through, and I get all stirred up, and I'm looking up, you know, the natural things, the star score. How can we bring kingdom into that? How can we renew their minds in a way that will have them change the world? I wanted to talk a lot about passion because over the past few weeks and even months leading up to today, I've been getting around the Father more and more. God, you got to help me. you got to be with me. I need you like right here. And his passion for you got all over me. Every time I went to him, he would tell me about each one of you. And it was like you should see the gifts and anointings and the talents that I've placed in Naomi. You should see what I've called Brody Connor to do. You should see these things I've put inside Dina that she has no idea about. And he was so passionate about his kids. So I want to release that to you today. I want you to stir yourselves up, stir one another up, because we're going to need passion to change the world. And I don't say that statement to sound like super preacher girl. I don't say that statement to be corny or cliche. I say it because we are ambassadors of heaven, and this is what we are called to do. You're supposed to change the world. I'm reading this book. It's called Heavy Rain by Chris Vallotton. It's an awesome book. But in it, he quotes Banning Leapshire, and he's one of our apostolic oversights here at the church. And Banning says, it's so profound, he says, the difference between those who do something and those who don't is that those who do something, do something. I had to read that like four or five times, but it's so true. If we want to be the ones who do something to change the world, then let's do it. Let's do something. How do we do this? How does passion fit into it? Well, if we're going to bring heaven to earth, if we're going to forcefully advance the kingdom, then we're going to have to have passion, and we're going to have to do it with the same enthusiasm that God put on the inside of us. So what does it look like for you? What does it look like to be passionate about bringing the kingdom of heaven to you? Let's start with what's in front of you. Do you have a job? (laughs) Do something. Are you married? Do something. Do you have kids? Do something. You know, one of the first messages I ever heard at Renew Life Church was on parenting. And Braden Connor preached this message about how to change the world in 20 years. He said, if me and you, and if you don't have kids, take really good notes because this is perfect timing for you. He said, if me and you would do this one thing, we could radically, drastically change the world in only 20 years. And I'm a note taker, so I was like ready for a five-step process. And he just said, raise good kids. Raise children who know who their father is, who know who they are in Christ Jesus. Raise good kids. Raise children who see their mom and dad going after the things of heaven. Raise kids who see their parents putting kingdom into every aspect of their lives. 20 years we could change the world. Is there a relationship that you need or don't need? Do something. 
Is there an idea that you have, you know it's from the Lord? Is there a book in your heart? Is there a committee that you're drawn to? Is there a cause that you are so passionate about? Odds are God put it there. So do something. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We were created to do good works. We were created to do something. Let's do the thing that he's planned for us. I feel like we can make it really, really simple. We just look at what's in front of us. It's there because like his word says, he's planned for it to be that way. Let's bring the kingdom into it. So I take myself, for example, at home, I have three tiny disciples. That is my new favorite word because oftentimes when I'm describing my children, tiny disciple is not the word that comes to mind. But I'm speaking it out, and I'm passionate about those three tiny disciples. Every day, every day, I try to do something to grow them into the person, to the men, to the little woman that God has created my kids to be. The Bible says that we should train up our children in the way they should go. So I've got to hear God and do something. Sometimes it looks like heart-to-heart conversations, and I get on my knees right at their level, and I share my heart, and I pour out my heart, and they do the same with me. Sometimes it's no conversation at all. It's the rod of correction. Sometimes it's me being intentional to show respect and honor and love in front of them to their dad. They need to see that. They need to see a mom and a dad who love each other. Sometimes it's making myself unavailable to them. I've literally locked my kids out of my room. Do not come in here unless there's blood. Because I need time with my father. And my kids, they need to know that that's a priority in their mom and dad's lives. It's prayer over their minds. It's prayer over their friends, their future spouses. It's protection. It's their identity. God has put those kids in front of us. He's put them in front of you. He's put future children in front of you. So hear God and do what he says. We have to bring heaven to earth. This is literally how Jesus taught us to pray. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he didn't ask us to just to say those words. We have to expect that it's going to happen. And we have to be the ones that will work and co-labor with Christ to make it happen. Another thing that comes to mind, it's probably your spouse. That person who sits right next to you, God put that person in front of you. We have to do something in our marriage. One of the biggest lies, biggest lies, you want to get me fired up real quick? It's some of the lies that the enemy tells us. And he'll tell the husband, he'll tell the wife, don't don't tell your spouse that. That's actually just between you and the Lord. He'll say that to us. And it actually sounds like it might be right. 
you know what? You're right. We've all fallen for it. I'm just going to sit back here and I'll work on me. And I will be in such turmoil, such hell on earth, but I'm just going to do it all by myself. I'm not going to bring it to the light. I'm going to let the Lord work on it. You and your husband are one. The two have become one. God designed it that way so you would have a permanent helper. If you are going through something, tell your spouse, bring it to the light. Once it's brought to the light, the enemy loses all of his power. Ephesians 5.8 says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you, it produces only what is good and right and true. Let's beef up our marriages. Husbands, your wife doesn't need a new purse. (laughs) She really doesn't. Keith walked in at just the right time. Your wife needs a car. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Husbands, your wife needs someone to love her like the word defines it. Like 1 Corinthians 13 defines love. It's patient. It's kind. It's hopeful. It's persevering. It doesn't keep record of wrong. This is what your wife needs. And husbands, husbands, us wives, we got to do a better job. Because the word says that wives should respect their husbands, period. I keep looking back in the Bible to see if there's a comma and an if statement after that, but there's not. All the translations, it just ends. Wives, respect your husbands. It doesn't matter if they deserve it. It doesn't matter if they've earned it. It doesn't matter if they've shown you love. It says, wives, we should respect our husbands. They need our support. See what will happen if you put kingdom into your marriage. Personal testimony, you're one of our marriage. That man right there, he's extremely good looking, but he can really make a girl mad. (laughs) And I phoned a friend, Leanne Connor, and I was like, Leanne, please help me. And that girl, she didn't have my back at all, (laughs) but she changed my life. And she said, Natalie... I know this is not what you wanted to hear, but even if he's wrong, as long as it's not against the Bible, even if he's wrong, if you'll still respect him, if you'll still honor and support him, God's word will not come back to you void, and you will actually be blessed because of it. Your marriage will be blessed because of it. So go ahead, tell Leanne thank you next time you see her. I've since learned how to bite my tongue. Nothing's coming between my marriage. So what else has the Lord put in front of you? Obviously, I'm passionate about kids. Family is a passion of this house, and especially with me. And I think about my kids in, in like their perspective to what the Word says. So what does the Word say regarding my kids, how they should act in order for kingdom to be in their lives. So we go back to Ephesians verse six, or chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, 
for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. Thank God for that period. For this is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Parents, let's start here. Teach your children to honor you. We want more than anything for things to go well for our kids, right? We would die for them. We would kill for them. We want things to go well for them. We want them to have a long life on earth. So teach them what it looks like to honor you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. It's the word. Try it. I'm thinking about your workplace. I'm thinking about those people that you work with. God bless them. They are rude. They only think about themselves. They're late every single day, and they're the ones that tend to get the promotion. I'm thinking about the woman at work who seems to be perfectly happy living her life, and she doesn't even need Jesus. And you think, well, you do you, boo. I'm just going to do me. You do you. Well, let me get real firm for just a second. That is not you. That is not who you are. Remember, you are an ambassador of heaven, whether you like it or not. If you are in this room, there is a call and anointing on your life. We have to be passionate about the Great Commission. It's in every chapter of the Gospels because it's that important. No one ever wanted us to miss that one. We got to do something to bring kingdom on earth. I had this thought. What if we were the prototype for what it looked like to bring kingdom to the earth in every area of life? What if it was you sitting where you're at and you're supposed to be the one to set the standard for what it looks like to carry the kingdom with you wherever you go, whatever you do, and it just touches. It touches everything. I feel like that's who we are. And I feel like I feel like Paul back in Ephesians who's like shaking I picture him just like shaking people's shoulders and he's like I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that is on your life. This is who we are. I need an iPad like Keith. <laughs> I ask my kids this all the time. And I'm sorry if I sound mothering. I'm probably not old enough to be anyone's mother. Well, a few of you, I could be your mom. Britain, I'm probably old enough to be your mom. But someone spoke that over me, and so I'm just going to embrace it. So let me mom you for just one second. Can you handle it? Can you handle this word? Can you handle this charge that we're given? Can you handle it? Can you be the man of God that God has created you to be? Dang, I'm seeing it on you two right here. You can handle it. You can be the difference maker. You can be the ones that walk into any atmosphere and eyes are on you and they're on you. Every word you say is dripping with the favor of God. You can handle it. Do you believe Ephesians 2? Do you believe that you are actually God's masterpiece? God's masterpiece. He created you to do the good works. God actually planned them for you, and they're sitting right in front of you. 
we came from a lineage, a lineage of believers who heard God and did what they said despite all the outside circumstances. We can talk about Noah. Noah kind of kicked us off in Genesis, saving the world and all. He just took what God put in front of him. He had the trees, he had the wood, he had everything he needed to build a boat. God told him dimension by dimension, this is what you build, this is what you do, this is how you do it, this is who's going on the boat. And even though he had never even seen a drop of rain, he heard God, he saw what was in front of him, and he did something. When I was thinking about this, I had the thought of Evan Almighty. Have y'all seen that movie? And Steve Carell walks out there, and like all of a sudden, like all these animals are just coming out of nowhere, like two by two. And you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to do something. Like, get, you know, just go ahead, get on the ark. Do something with what's in front of you. God is still speaking, He is still moving. Are we listening? Are we seeing the forest for the trees? Are we seeing what's in front of us? It's our divine privilege and responsibility to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. It's your assignment. As I was praying and preparing for this message, I was really excited at this point. I was like, yes, high five. Like, I think we're getting it. I'm really excited. And it was like crickets. And I was like, what is it, Lord? What is it? I'm in my office and I'm pacing around and I'm looking out the window and I'm like, I just feel like there's something in the air. Is there, God, is there something in the air that's keeping us from really grasping, from grabbing a hold of this revelation to do something with what you've given us, what's right there in front of us? There's something in the air that's clouding it all up. And when I said that, three words spelled out popped in my head. And it was apathy, inadequacy, regret. Apathy, inadequacy, regret. They all popped up right at the same time. And I was like, Lord, is that, is that you? And he was like, yeah, it's in the air. A, apathy, I, inadequacy, R, regret. Aren't you so thankful for a God that will just spell it out for us? You're welcome. He did that for me. So I started thinking about this word apathy. And it really hit home in a lot of ways because I grew up classic fairy tale, little house on the prairie. Mom and dad loved each other so much. Didn't have a prodigal big brother or anything like that. It was easy to see the kingdom at work. Went to my grandma's house every Sunday for Sunday dinner after church. That's actually lunch. <laughs> but it was easy. The kingdom was easy. You come to church in broad daylight. We've got some missionaries on our staff, and we talk about this a lot. We don't have an underground church. We don't have to. We can put the fish sticker on our car. We can wear scriptures. Binge Jesus can be all over our shirt, and nobody will think a thing. They won't. But the Lord told it to me this way. He said, where there is little resistance, apathy can grow. We can come to church or not. We can stay at home, watch it in our PJs. We've been in this bubble for so long that sometimes it's though we haven't even been able to see what the enemy has been flaunting in front of us for so long. 
And it's taken the past year and a half where things have literally hit the fan, right? God is telling us, he's asking us, he's begging us to wake up and use that passion, use that calling, use that anointing, use that God-given talent that he's put on the inside of his children. He's passionate about you, and he's asking you to do something. The second thing I think that keeps us kind of held back, that's in the air, is the feelings of inadequacy. This one hits pretty close to home. Because when I was told I was going to preach this message back in August, I'm looking at Keith like, why? I make such a better trophy wife. Like, I will be here. I will give you a butt tap. I'll give you a pep talk. Like, you're the man. He's funnier. He's not better looking, but he is funnier. (laughs) Just kidding. Maybe I'm funnier. It's getting on me. Just kidding. But inadequacy, it's a real thing. Think about, go throughout the entire Bible. I mean, you can literally thumb through, pick a person, and odds are they either felt inadequate or when you read about them, they are definitely not cut out for this. Think about Rahab. Rahab. You know what she's known as? The harlot who changed history. I wonder what she thinks about that title now. She doesn't care. But she did something with the people that God put in front of her. God could have sent those spies to any house, and he sent them to Rahab's. And she could have said, oh, no, you shouldn't come in here. You, you know I'm a prostitute. If people saw you coming in here, we would have. She could have come up with a lot of excuses to shut the door, but she let them out. She believed that they were the chosen ones from God. And she did something with who God brought in front of her. You know, I think about Gideon. Poor Gideon. Read about Gideon. He literally had the audacity to argue with angels. Angels came to him, the voice of God himself, and said, God chooses you. And Gideon over and over, no, no. I'm the lowliest man in the lowliest of families. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to have the wrong guy. But God chose Gideon. And finally, for some of us, finally we get it. And we see what God can do when we just say yes. Even if it's a tiny, tiny yes. When we say yes, God can use us to do something. The last thing that I felt like was in the air is regret. Mm. Regret. I feel like regret is debilitating. Regret will kill any passion you may have inside of you. If you have regret, you may still be doing something, but you're not all in. You're not doing it with the passion that it really takes. Regret. It's a deep hurt. You've gone after it before, and it backfired. Whatever it was, it turned out worse than you could have possibly imagined. So now, instead of trying it again, we're just, we shrink back just a little bit, and we coast. And we stay in our sweet little comfort zones. 
I heard a good quote about a comfort zone. It said it was a beautiful place to be, but nothing grows there. God, I see him pleading with you to get over it. You've got to repent. That's how you get over regret. You repent. You ask the Lord for forgiveness. You ask that person for forgiveness. And this is the biggest one of all. You look in the mirror and you forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. That's doing something. It doesn't have to be some huge thing. You look at what's in front of you. And for some of us, it's a mirror. And we got to start there. We can do it. It's a hard thing. I'm not saying this is going to be easy. It probably is going to suck. But we were born for this. We were born for it. And there's a world who needs us. So I'll end with this. When I was in the seventh grade, I discovered my first passion. And it was basketball. And I loved it. I was super fast, pretty tall. I could jump. I could be really aggressive. Don't listen to many more of Keith's messages or you'll look at me differently. But I had a passion for basketball. The only problem was I started when I was 12 and everyone else started when they're five. So I'm dribbling 100 miles an hour and I'm bouncing the ball off of my size 10 shoe in the seventh grade. It's since gotten bigger. I'm over it. I'm hidden in Christ. But I would be dribbling 100 miles an hour, ball off my foot. I would be dribbling 100 miles an hour, fast break, layup, boom, almost shatter the backboard. Couldn't catch a pass. Couldn't catch a pass. I'd already be thinking of the next thing I wanted to do, and the ball would just go right through my hands and out of bounds. It was a mess. I was a mess. But I just, I just loved it just had this passion for it and I wanted to play and I wanted to play with the boys because they'll fall for any head fake and it was so much fun to fake out the boys and just lay it but after one of those games those seventh grade games and if you have junior high kids you know what they're thinking and I was complaining and I was blaming everyone I think I even blamed the cheerleaders for not yelling loud enough when they were shooting free throws. I bashed myself. How could this be? How could this be? And my dad, oh man. Dads, if you got a little girl, man, one of these days you're gonna have a little girl. In the words of a good father, She'll never forget them. <laughs> and he looked in the rearview mirror. And after all my gripping and complaining, he said, Natalie, you have no idea what you can do. And I argued with him because I was a fiery little seventh grader. I was like, well, I know what I can't do. And I can't dribble. And I can't shoot. And I can't pass the ball. And I... I just went down the list of everything you need to do to play basketball. And he just looked at me again. Natalie, you have no idea what you can do. And I listened, finally. It took me a while. But I started listening, and I started believing. 
And he started pointing out everything that was in front of me. He started showing me everything that was in me. And I went after it. And I learned how to dribble. And I can school him sometimes. And I learned how to shoot it. And I led the panhandle in scoring my senior year. And I got a full ride to WT. I would have never, ever, ever thought that. And I met my husband there. So one could argue that a good word from the Father, that doing something with what's put in front of you, it can change your life forever. I just want you to ask the Lord, what is it that He's put in front of you? What is it that He's put inside of you? He will tell you, He will show you step by step, thing by thing. He is a good, good Father. And He wants it for you. He's passionate for you. I picture Him. I picture Jesus at the wheel, right? Picture God at the wheel. And He'll pull that car right over. And He'll unbuckle His seatbelt and He'll turn around and He'll look at you right in the eyes. And He'll say, Kaylee, you have no idea what you can do. He will. He'll tell you that, and then he'll show you. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.